Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 24th, 2015. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 157, the fifth paragraph, beginning with the man in the bed. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Anne M., the 12 traditions, Lisa H., Readings of literature today are Charles H., Chelsea H., and Renata G. The share ID number for Sunday, August 23rd, our special edition meeting, Attitude of Gratitude, is 7943. 7943. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through sheer experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. This is Ann M., a recovered compulsive overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you for this opportunity to serve. Thank you, Ann M. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Um, This is Lisa H., gratefully uh, recovered from West Tennessee. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 157, beginning at the, with the fifth paragraph, beginning with the man on the bed. 
We'll be reading two paragraphs ending with, I can see. The first paragraph is for context only, and comments focus on the second paragraph. I will now ask Charles H. to begin reading. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Santa H. Charles H., a recovered visionary on the line. Um, the man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered, how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. You fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this, both the visitors bursted into a laugh, said the future fellow anonymous. Damn little to laugh about that I can see. Once again, my name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. And I want to thank um, thank God for waking me up and, and, and my brothers and sisters in recovery as well. You know, I pray that God puts a, 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 a hedge around your mind, body, soul, and spirit. Protect, protect everything in you like the mountains around Jerusalem. So once I got that out of the way, I can identify in with... Um, with Bill W. on the top of page 13 when he said how blind I was. And, and, and for, um, you know, alcoholic number three saying damn little about that I can see. You know, I couldn't see yet because, you know, I was in, I, I could identify being in, in a war, <laughs> you know, in a war a few times, not eight, but close. And um, I didn't want the treatment, man. All I wanted was the food, more food and more food. And I, and I was blocked by... Worldly clamors. My worldly clamors is self-will, my self-desires, and all that stuff. But, you know, that first one, right, Let that first one will do me in. You know, he thought I, I, I could identify with, with this Bill Dobson. He thought he was nobody. You know, we're all somebody, whether we're in the disease or not. So my plea to a newcomer today is please make a decision. And don't be a weekend warrior. Program works seven days a week. It has to. Faith without work is dead. Bill W. told us already, right? And I want to just share this one thing that my spiritual advisor told me yesterday. He gave me, he gave me something, and I, and I want to share with you guys. You know, our job is to try to bear fruit, working with others. Because if we're not bearing fruit, we're gonna, we, those fruits are going to get spoiled and rotten. And we don't want that today, right? So with that, I'll pass. I love you all, and I wish you a blessed day. I'll pass. Thank you, Charles H. And just a gentle reminder to please state the initial of your last name, and we'll be commenting on the second paragraph, um, what was read. Um, who would like to comment on that paragraph? Kim G. Kathy K. I have Kim, Kathy. Tom Renata H. G. Renata. This is Bella, can I share? Bella. Anyone else? I have Kim G, Kathy K, Renata G, Bella G. Okay, we'll start with Kim G. Good morning, okay. Kim, you're first. I'm sorry, who came in? Tom Jill. H. Jill C. Say it one more time. Tom Jill. Jill. What's, yeah. what's your last name, Jill? P. 
P. P okay. is P is in Thomas. Okay, and I heard I heard her catch it. Okay, we'll we'll start with that right there. Okay, Kim G, you're up. Kim, Kim G, star one. I'm sorry, Santa. I must have gotten. Um, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Good morning, Kim. Okay. Good morning. I'll reset my timer. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. From what you tell me, I know more than ever. I cannot stop. You know, I love looking at this story as far as the technique, how these gentlemen are approaching the newcomer, because that's. That's how I, I try to approach the newcomer today. You know, that they're letting them know the true nature of their disease. They're, they're giving them the, the medical business and they're giving it to them hard. You know, I think back on, on, more, on working with others when they tell us about how do you approach that new man. It says on page 92, continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness of a fatal malady. Talk to him about the conditions of mind and body which accompany it. Keep his attention focused on your personal experience explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are loath to tell alcoholic patients the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose, but you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. So that's the beauty of a, one rec a recovered person approaching someone who has, is in the illness, is I have a solution. Yes, I'm telling you you're doomed. Yes, I'm telling you the allergy is a permanent disability. Yes, I'm telling you that the, the larger aspect is the mental obsession, but I'm not going to leave you there in hopelessness. I have a solution, and the solution is in this book. You know, I often get people say, well, how am I supposed to work the steps through the big book? It doesn't make sense to me because we're looking for, which, you know, I know for myself, it makes so much more sense in, in a 12 and 12, either AA or OA, where it says chapter one is step one, chapter two is step two. However, both the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12 do not give instructions. It's simply reflections. It's, it's essays about people's experience working the steps. There's no instructions on it. So I'm just going to take a minute. Let's see how we work the steps through the big book. We have the doctor's opinion. We get the medical diagnosis. Because if you don't have this problem, why do you care about the rest of the book? Do you have the allergy of the body? which is a permanent disability. I must fully concede and accept that I can never, ever have those foods again because I will always have the phenomenon of craving. But the worst part is I have a mind that's always going to convince me it's okay and that I don't have the allergy and it'll be all right. And then Bill's story, what does that look like in a, in a human being to have this, this uh, disease? And then there is a solution. It's going to talk more about who we're not. It's going to talk about the moderate eater and the heavy eater and then the real compulsive overeater. And then in more about alcoholism, we're going to, they're going to talk to us about what it means to be abstinent only, what it means if you think that only a physical solution is going to solve you, because this is not stories about people that are drunk and can't get sober. More about alcoholism is stories about people who are sober and make that decision to pick up. So all those stories encapsulate step one, which shows you how important it is, unless we know who and what we are, the rest of the steps we're not going to be willing to do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Kathy, J Kathy K., good morning. Thank you, Santa, for your service. This is Kathy K., a recovered compulsive reader from Boston. 
And these two paragraphs remind me of how important it is to tell my story to the sick and suffering. I remember when I first heard people speak at an OA meeting, um, I really identified with those who said that the mental disease was stronger than the physical disease for them, that they hadn't had to lose a lot of weight, but the illness was between their ears. And that was certainly true for me. Um, And that is what I've been able to share with others um, until I understood the mental aspect of the disease, um, the mental state preceding the first bite. Um, I wasn't willing to surrender uh, to the work of the steps. I thought somehow that I was not really as sick as others. And so I know today that that I have something unique to share if I'm willing to tell my story. And I think each of us um, has a unique gift to share, and it's in in sharing that with the newcomer that we invite them into our fellowship and to the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Renata G. Hi, Santa. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Recovered from Postal Raid in New York. Grateful to be on the line today. Um, it says, you fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm nobody now. From what, you, from what you tell me, I know more than ever. I can't stop. And so, you know, like you said, they were talking to this man about the knowledge of the body and the obsession of the mind, right? That's one, the hopelessness of our disease. And so, you know, then... Um, it says you fellows are somebody, so then he gets this impression that they recovered, they were well today because there's something special. There's something they have something different. And sometimes I talk to people on the phone, and they have this idea that recovered people are some kind of special people that somehow we know a secret thing, and there's no secret here. You know, and that's why it says here, like the, you know, at this, the the, the visitors burst into a laugh because they knew they were as hopeless as this man and they could recover because anyone can recover as long as they work the steps. You know, if they put their alcohol down and work the steps, exactly like in the big book, anyone can recover. It doesn't matter that, you know, we're completely hopeless, completely powerless, because then we're going to have access to a power that doesn't come from us. And, um, you know, I think this is the the second biggest lie that this disease can tell me. The first one is that, you know, it's the obsession of the mind, that one day I'll control it, one day I'll get the game, and I keep trying, keep trying, and failing, and failing. And the second is, you know, to come to this program and think that there is no hope for me, that, you know, like never to take step two, right, which is the solution, you know, and be willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. If I can't believe that, if I can't be willing to believe that, why am I going to do the rest of the step? With that, I pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Renata G. I need to make a correction. Um, I believe there was a Tom M. that spoke up. Tom M. Start yes, one, please. Yes. yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Tom. You're next. Yeah. This is Tom M. from New Jersey. I'm just grateful to uh, be on the call today. Um, you know, I can relate to this um, This whole these two paragraphs here. Um, I just kind of think back on, you know, it's been two weeks now, um, actually going on my third week that I've been abstinent from sugar. And um, and I'm down here in uh, Virginia Beach with about 18 members of my family, and it's just like, it's so crazy because I'm sitting here and my family members knew the type of person that I was that, when I'm around sugar, I, I'm just like totally out of it. And so they're just like waiting for me to pick up something. And but I'm so thankful and grateful to God that um, the urge is not there, and it's it's by the grace of God. And I tell you, it's just you know after reading the uh, the doctor's opinion and going through some of the you know the readings with my sponsor that um, it's made a big difference. And I know that what what made it was making that decision. Um, in the past, I, you know, it was maybe a, a re, you know, like a New Year's resolution for me to um, to say that I'm going to stop. Um, but like he says here, from what you tell me, I know more than ever that I can't stop. And I realized that about three weeks ago, I just got to a point where I said, boy, I just really can't stop. And I know that the only way that I'm going to stop is I'm going to have to get some help from God, and and I just remember one night, you know, somehow, I don't know how it happened, someone had given me vision for you, phone number, because I go to a Saturday OA meeting, and I'm so thankful to God that he led me to uh, to come to this call, because, and I've been involved with OA for about maybe 30 years, but for the first time in my life now, I feel... Uh, you know, this this urge to want to stay stopped and uh, and to help other people. And I, one of the great things for me this weekend, this week now, is I have my sister and her daughter here. And, and I've been, you know, really in the past been, you know, really trying to get them involved with OA. But I said, I realized for myself that the only way I'm going to help them is I have to help myself first, um, accept them the way they are, and... Um, and just keep pressing. So my, my goal, my, my hope this week, that God will continue to uh, allow me to stay on the path. And uh, with that, I'll pass. I want to thank you guys for all you do. Thank you so much, Tom M., for sharing your experience, strength, and help with us today. Bella G., you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Santa, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. And I can say the same. Yes, that's me, said the sick woman, the very image. Yes, and this is the beauty of the program, that it's a we program, that it doesn't matter who we are, our age, our... our uh, um, finance situation, our 
a status, if we are married or not, if we, we have children or not, our age, where we live, it doesn't matter. The disease is the same disease. That we have allergies in the body and a, a, and a sickness in our mind and a sickness in our spiritual. We are all the same. That we are all going through the same thing. That we are controlled by our ego, ego, and our control. Yes, and this is the beauty of the program that we cannot say, "Oh well, you know, I have this disease." Because if only, if only, if you would have the same experience than me, you would understand me. If you would have what I passed through, you would understand me. No, we are all the same. We are going through the same thing. And this is what I learned in the program, that I have always the opportunity to learn, to learn from your experience, and I can share my experience, because I can give you, you can understand and you can get some new ideas from my experience, and the same thing, I can get new ideas from your experience. Yes, and there is a solution. Yes, I can, say, I can share my recovery, my strength and hope. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Jill T., you're up, and then Rakesit G., you'll be next. Hi, my name is Harriet. Okay, uh, hi, I'm Jill. Yes, the word that I wanted to ratchet down on today was the idea of poisoning of the mind. I'm writing about honesty in my journal, and I'm working with, about honesty with my um, sponsor. And what I've discovered is that the poisoning in my mind... T, we lost you. GLT, star one. Can you hear me? I'm getting a recording from my... Okay, I'm sorry. I was getting a re I, yeah, I was getting a recording telling me to push out the button. I hear you now, Jill. Okay, thank you. So did you not hear anything I said about um, email? You can, you can begin again. Okay, I'm sorry for the confusion. Anyhow, yes, I was writing today because the word um, poisoning of the mind. What I discovered in my writing and my discussion with my sponsor is that when I was little, I was poisoned with, you are inadequate, you need the food to be adequate. That is the poisoning in my mind. The food had nothing to do with it. However, my mind attached to the food, and so when I need to feel adequate, I eat. But my sponsor helped me discover that and uncover it, and it has made a very big difference. So honesty, saying I have or haven't eaten, is actually more desirable for me right now is I wake up in the morning, I am honest and abstinent. So thank you. And I also wanted to say thank you to Tom from Virginia Beach. He had a really great share, and I heard a lot of um, good things in what he said, and it, I learned a lot. So thank you, Tom, and I'll be praying that while you're on vacation, you can remain abstinent as well. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, GLT. Thank you for sharing your experience and strength and hope with us. Rakesit Z, you're up. Thank you, Santa. This is Rakesit Z, recovered compulsive overeater in California. 
And the line that struck me really hard was, I was once somebody and today I'm a nobody. I felt my whole life that I was a nobody and I wanted to be a nobody. I wanted to be invisible to the world. It started in elementary school, being teased a lot about my being overweight and fat. And I just wanted to disappear. It hurt so much. And, I, and I'm not the kind of person that's going to answer with with uh, something mean coming back to me. I just kind of I just kept kept quiet and, and and accepted the criticism and the teasing. And it just got worse and worse all through elementary school and then junior high school and high school. I just felt the same way. I just shut down. I hardly had any friends. I wore a uniform to school, which was for me, uh, chubby-sized boys' jeans with a huge sweatshirt over it so nobody would see my fat. And no matter how hot it got, it got hot where I was living, um, I wouldn't take that sweatshirt off. And there was no air conditioning in the classrooms in high school. I wouldn't take it off. I'd be sitting at my desk sweat dripping. I would not take that off. I wanted to be invisible to the world. I wanted to be a nobody. And that got better, a little better in college. And then when I started working, I was always the fattest one there. I always was comparing myself to who was, who was, who was bigger than me. Nobody was bigger than me, and I just felt again like a total nobody. And I wanted to be a nobody. I didn't want anybody to pay any attention to me because I knew that if they did, they would just feel disgusted, or that's what I thought they would feel. Anyway, so um, I came into program 17 years ago, and a lot of that changed for me. Really, really changed. I don't feel I'm a nobody anymore. I feel I'm a somebody, just like everybody else on the line. Everybody's a somebody. I'm no special, you know, no no worse, no no better. And today I work the 12 steps. I work the 12 steps, and that reinforces for me from God that I am a somebody, that I have something to give to others. I have my experience. I can help other compulsive overeaters. And I'm a person today. I'm a person today, and I don't have to feel in I don't have to feel that I want to be invisible anymore. I feel really content with my body. I'm at my goal weight. And I just feel so peaceful with the 12 steps. And I had a rough day yesterday, too, with a lot of family. And I, it was rough. It was really rough. And thank you, God, I got through it. Thank you, God, with God's help. And um, thank you, everyone, for being on the line. I pass. Thank you, Rakesha Z. And thank you, everyone, for being respectful of the time. Uh, Once again, we're on page 157. We're sharing on this paragraph number six. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Gay E in New Jersey. Gay B. Rita P. Mary B. B. Leah P. Leah M. Naomi B. Naomi B. Harriet H. Harriet H. Montreal. Okay, I have Gay E, Mary B, Reva P, Leah M, Naomi P, and Harriet H. Anyone else? All right, Gay E, you are up. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks. This is Gay E in Red Bank, New Jersey, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, First time on this meeting, had never heard about it until uh, two people, two separate people, 
mentioned it this weekend. So here I am. Today is my 65th birthday. And uh, I continue to do what this big book tells me to do. It's it's the core of who I am and what I need to do to recover from the stinking thinking. Uh, yeah, I used to be somebody, and um, I'm just a worker among workers. Um, I can't uh, stop on my own. Um, and um, uh, the two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told them about their course of action they carried out. I think that's the paragraph we're sharing on, and forgive me if I'm confused. Um, it's a chronic condition, and I'm human. Um, and that really speaks to the the the, the, uh, the 12th step of um, practicing these principles in all of my affairs and the the miracle of the 12-step movement that said I can't keep it if I don't give it away. Um, I was also just very taken with the whole idea of laughter and I don't have to be lugubrious I don't have to be death obsessed I don't have to be uh, mea culpa the big book even tells me uh, I think somewhere in the eighth and ninth step it says um, we don't grovel before anybody so my course of action yes includes fun and joy and it also includes um, from the bottom of my feet from my marrow of my bones from the middle of my DNA to share my experience, strength, and hope with others who uh, want to recover for two reasons. One, I can't keep what I don't give away. And two, my life just doesn't have sufficient grounded meaning if I don't uh, connect with fellow humans and remember who I am in the context of um, who you are, who other people are. And yeah, the course of action that I take out and I love to say that the person who got up earliest this morning is the one who's been abstinent the longest. So while I um, am thrilled to say that I have nearly 15, it'll be 15 years um, uh, in October, um, you know, I didn't get up till uh, 6.30, quarter to 7 this morning. So um, I'm just another another bozo on the bus and really grateful for this meeting and I'm going to pass now and mute and listen and be grateful for no crosstalk pass. Thank you, A.E., for sharing your experience with us this morning. Uh, Mary B. Yes, hi, Santa. Good morning. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered in Central California this morning, very early. Um, thank you so much for your service. When I read this paragraph, yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. You fellows know your stuff all right. It reminds me of when I first came into program and we didn't we didn't know very much about the disease, about the addiction at that time. And even though I called somebody who had lost 65 pounds. She shared that she lost 65 pounds. And I called her, how did you do it? She told me how she ate, and I ate the way she did. We really were just helping one another stay on our diet. We were dieting. And there was someone, Irene B., who brought a a diet in. It was a diabetic diet from a hospital. It was happened to be printed on gray paper, and it got the name, the gray sheet, and um, tried to get it adopted as a uh, required food plan for Overeaters Anonymous, and that never happened. 
And I have somewhere in my archives a copy of a talk that Roseanne gave to a convention. And at that time, she said she had just come back from her own relapse. And she said she felt that one mistake that OA made was dropping all food plans. And I can't help but be so grateful that we know so much today. We've learned so much about this disease. I can pick up a book or an article or even see a report on television about studies that they're doing on sugar addiction and how it affects the brain. And um, I just think we're really blessed for what we know. I know that even though it is different for some of us, I know that I am addicted to sugar, flour, and for me, even quantities, which makes it necessary for me to weigh and measure my food. And I know that today, and I totally accept it. And um, I'm I'm just really grateful. And um, I think about how hopeless it would be if I walked into a room and someone told me I was powerless over food and then left me alone, and that was it. But it's the next paragraph coming up that saves my butt. Thank you all for sharing today, and thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mary B. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, The line that I wanted to share about this morning is about um, how he says, you fellows are somebody, but I'm a nobody now. And that reminds me that this is an equal opportunity disease. It's not a respecter of social status, um, academic status, age. We can all be people who have this disease, um, and we're normally people who would not mix. And as the opposite is also true, it's equal opportunity recovery Anybody, anybody who does the work can recover. And, you know, it reminds me that I can make excuses. I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that, um, so it's not going to work for me. Um, And that's why they're laughing, um, or that's one of the reasons they could be laughing, because, no, it's for everyone. It's um, equal opportunities for recovery as long as we do what we need to do. Um, as it states in the book. And um, this morning, I am preparing for my father-in-law's funeral, um, which is incredibly emotional. Um, And what I need to hear myself say is, you know, how am I going to get through this? There's going to be so much food around. There's so much emotion. This is so difficult. And I know there are other people at the meetings I attend here in Toronto who've gone through the same thing, abstinent, um, before, during, and after. Um, So again, equal opportunities um, to get through things, and not just get through like survive white-knuckling, but to get through and hear what it says, I'm a nobody. Um, You know, I used to think that it was all the external stuff, including the weight, um, that made me a somebody. And now it's just whatever my higher power wants me to be, not so much do or have. Um, So it's so awesome that I can do these things and be this way um, differently. 
Um, and I'm so, so grateful to this program for getting me through these past uh, couple of weeks. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Leah M. Thanks so much, Santa, for your service. From what you can tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh. I mean, you know, as we read the story, it's clear there's a very specific technique, sponsor, sponsoring technique going on here where, uh, you know, Bill W. and Dr. Bob are aiming to produce a crisis relating the seriousness of their own drinking experience. They have uh, shared their drinking experiences. They have allowed Bill D. to identify in. Then they began to dwell on the hopeless feature of of our malady, the allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. It's like turning a vice tighter and tighter and tighter uh, around this uh, Bill B's head, uh, and you know that pressure builds. I mean, this is step one is not a feel good step, since the purpose of it is to empty out any residual notion that we actually have any power within to help or heal ourselves. You know, so the fact that Bill D realizes, from what you tell me, I know more than ever. I can't stop. He has a you know, an inner lack of strength. He's finally realizing that there's no depth to which he could not sink and no wretchedness, uh, you know, he couldn't reach. I mean, the disease is progressive. It will continue to take him down. And the realization of that, the acceptance of that, the conceding of that with his innermost self is, is, where we all want these sponsees to get. I mean, that's why the laughter at this boat, the visitors burst into a laugh, uh, said the future fellow, uh, you know, anonymous, damn little to laugh about that I can see. The laughter is because once you accept, you know, once you, you fully understand and realize and accept to your innermost self who and what you are, there's something you could do about it. Because unless you humble yourself by taking step one, you don't need the rest of the program. Because if you think you have the power over this disease, then you don't need to believe in a power greater than yourself to restore you to sanity. And if you don't believe that, then you don't have to turn your will and life over to that power. And if you don't do that, well, then you don't have to do steps four through nine because that's the whole essence of the program. And if you don't do that, well, you don't have to continue to, you know, improve your conscious contact with God and so on. So, I mean, the laughter is a a result of, uh, you know, finally this guy is destroyed. He's destroyed. He's accepted who and what he is, and now he will be receptive to the course of action, to the uh, spiritual experience that is possible through the implementation of these steps. So it's a very specific technique that they're using, and it worked then, and it works today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Naomi B., you're up, and then Harriet H., you'll be next. Thank you. Thank you, Santa. Thank you for your service. And it's Naomi B. as boy from Philadelphia. Thank you so much for your service, and good morning to my fellow visionaries. That's always a tough act to follow, Leah, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. Um, yes, that was me. And when I came into my first OA meeting, it was like, how do these people know who I am? First of all, my first impression was, why are thin people being here? 
because this program isn't about, I mean, in my mind, it was like a diet program, and diet program is fat people like me and not thin people. But I just worked through the steps, and I continue to coming back. And it says, you fellas are somebody. I am a nobody. And this is what I had my, my whole life. I so eloquently put a few speakers back about my childhood and how I was always a fat child. I, was, I had to go to the Lane Bryant chubby stores or the, some of the other stores that had the chubby section. And what was worse is I not only had it from without, I had it from within, family members. Family members, even my mother saying that I was lazy and I was a fat slob, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. My life is so much better today. I can have the laughter. I know what it is because of working these 12 steps and carrying these principles in all my affairs. This is the difference of being in the food and being in recovery. It's only contingent about my, my spiritual relationship with my higher powers I call God just for today. That's all I have to think about, just for today. And again, if there's any newcomers on the line, it works. It really, really works. And you don't have to do the whole 12 steps in a day. You only have one day, 24 hours. For 24 hours, you can put the food down. Because I'm the real thing. I'm the real deal. And if I could stand at my church service like I did yesterday, work in hospitality, handing out, hand, hand, handling my binge food for other people and acting as if it was nothing. Because in my mind, it was nothing. I was there to serve others. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. We'll have Harriet H., and then afterwards we're moving on to the next paragraph. Harriet H.? Hi, my name is Harriet H. I'm from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. First-time caller. Hello? Yes, good morning, Harriet. Hi, do you hear me? Yes, I can. But I'm from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. First time caller. I don't know what to expect. I'm totally overwhelmed. I was at a meeting yesterday and I felt really down and out as a nobody. And um, it's amazing from this whole wide world that we live in, there's so many people that I'm not alone. It's interesting to see people's lives, how they've conducted it up till now. And I desperately need your help, so I don't know what I'm, I don't even know where I'm calling. Is this California? Hello? Yes, we hear you. I don't know where I'm calling, but you can, I just want to thank you very much that I'm able to talk and express how grateful I am that I've heard everybody's stories today. Thank you. And thank you so much, Harriet, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And please join us again tomorrow. Please. Can I leave my number so somebody can call me? Am I allowed to? If you hold on for just about 10 more minutes, we'll give you the opportunity to do that with our newcomer greeter. Okay, thank you, thank you for, um, for your share. Just hold on for a few more minutes, and we'll allow you to do that. Chelsea H., you're up next. Thank you, Santa, and thanks for your service. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. The two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried out. (laughs) When I first got my um, reading paragraph for today, I was so busy looking at Brother Charles' plate 
that I was, oh, I should have more lines. And I really, Dee Dee came into my heart and said, you know what, keep your eyes on your own spiritual plate, because this paragraph is a spiritual feast. And what it speaks to me is that after they had given him, as Dr. Silkworth told Bill, let him know about the problem first. Don't hit him over the head with the spiritual stuff. They crested the need, and I'm taking this from my guide. I love that she uses these great lines. They crested the need for him to have a relationship of some kind with power. And how would he get that? They explained to him the spiritual experience. They explained to him about how they had undergone this profound alteration to the same things that he had gone through, that the change could not have been brought about by themselves. And they spoke about how of years of what they were doing, the same stuff he was doing, they could not solve it on their own and that they had tapped into this inner resource. And how can you tap into it too? They gave him the whole package. This is the whole package, the course of action. So um, this takes me like to page 63 where they've gone through one, two, through three, making the conclusion and conclusion and then the decision. And it says really clearly, next we launched out on a course of vigorous action. So it was no joke. They, had, they told him, this is what you're up against. This is what we did because we were up against it too. And we followed through. So that course of action, four through nine, and then the rest of the steps, living in 10, 11, and 12. So really the whole process has been laid out here of how me as a, someone guiding someone through the, through the text and letting them have their own experience with it, this is what my posture, this is how I'm supposed to purport myself. My deportment should be like this. It's telling me when I'm working with somebody else, what should I do? This way Chelsea doesn't have to come in and start trying to dig around and mess around in people's programs and start dictating what they should be eating and what they shouldn't. All that matter should have been straightened out when it told us up at the top to put the food down. Two days later, they came to visit him, clean him up, and then move into the work. Tell him what he's up against and tell him what he can do so that way he can get a different result this time instead of falling for the lie again that our minds tell us, giving us permission to engage in whatever it is we engage in that's inappropriate for our lives, not just for um, losing weight and other things like that, which is what I thought the program was for. So thanks so much for um, letting me be here today, and I'm so grateful for um, Alcoholics Anonymous and for everyone involved for making it happen, particularly the source greater than myself. With that, I pass. Thank you, Chelsea H. We have time for two more shares. Um, this Larry. Pastor, Larry K. This is Sarah W. May I share? And Sarah W. Larry K., you're up. <clears throat> oh, Santa, thank you for your service. Um, I'll, I'll be brief. Um, you know, brief paragraph, Chelsea, um, you know, uh, I could, can't add too much to what she said there. But what I would say is that, you know, we, once someone concedes to their innermost self that they are indeed, in our case, a compulsive overeater, that they have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and they are powerless, well, then we lay out, you know, the practical program of action. We lay it out for them. We, I, do, I don't share my program of action you know, if I shared my program of action, uh, you know, that could that could get you killed. It almost killed me. No, I share what's been shared from the earliest times with, you know, with Bill and Dr. Bob. 
this program of action leads us to a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease. I was not, I didn't save myself from the quicksand. I was sinking. If I thrash about, uh, I'll sink quicker. This program of action brought me into an alignment with my higher power, the higher power of my own understanding, uh, so that I could, uh, you know, connect with that higher power in a new way and that I don't need the food anymore. And all these changes, these wonderful changes that have occurred have come about as a result of these steps. It's that simple, and it could work for anyone. That's the hope. It could work for anyone at all. Okay, with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay, for your share. And we will end our sharing with Sarah W. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Vision, to you. This is Sarah W., Graceful Recovered Compulsive Reader. I'd like to take a moment to welcome any newcomer that's on the line that's never been at a meeting before and just let you know that there really is hope. And that's basically what we're talking about, these two people. We're talking about their spiritual experience, which came about through understanding and working and living these 12 steps that what this is what our program is. And, you know, we come in so broken, uh, you know, we, we come in for the vanity. Most of us come in because we're overweight and we feel so horrible about ourselves. And, you know, the program gives us so much more than a thin body. It gives us um, a way of life that really allows us to fully, um, fully be who we are and connect with other people and connect with this power that's greater than us uh, so that we can feel really at peace with ourselves and at one with the world. And, you know, I just wanted to offer the idea that, we, you know, when we come in and we start to, you know, the, the first step starts to come into play because we start to think to ourselves, something's wrong, something's different. I mean, we don't come in here because we're going la, 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 everything's great. Uh, obviously, we're not happy with what's going on with the, with the food. There's some issue with the food that's going on. And later on, we find out more, more about ourselves as we go on. But the only way to really come to the conclusions that we need to come to and to develop uh, this spiritual muscle that we need to develop is by starting at the beginning and conceding to ourselves that we're powerless, that we've tried everything that we can think of to help ourselves and nothing's worked. You know, as they say in the, in the rooms, this is the last house on the block. And, you know, there is hope. There is hope. And the hope is that we can find sanity regarding the food and everything else. So I welcome you all. And I'm so glad to, to be on the line today, grateful to be in my right mind. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for our second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Renata G., please read A Vision for You. Our book was, is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Renata. Good morning again, Santa. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come. 
if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.